Reconciling with someone who has wronged us or wronged someone we love is not instinctive or comfortable, but it's necessary for our sakes because resentment takes a toll and for their sakes because they may really want to reconnect. Christmas is a time of reconciliation between God and sinners. But what about reconciliation between sinner and sinner? Pastor Allen tackles this thorny subject in his second message in this three-part series called This Christmas, Let It Go. Last week, Pastor Allen explained that Christmas is a celebration of God's gift to mankind, namely the reconciliation between God and humanity through Jesus Christ. Today, he shows us the reasons why we must work at having no relational debts, why we must be sure to do everything in our power to make things right with all people, even the people who have hurt us. In this message, we're taught how to make things right. Although we'll never be best friends with everyone, in our hearts, there must be forgiveness and no resentment. May this be the beginning of big change in your life as you let it all go. Here's Pastor Allen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. So glad you're able to be here, especially for our baptismal. And uh, to see these people taking these steps and following Christ is just always the most thrilling part of what I do. So we've been talking about reconciliation. We've been talking about what Christmas is all about. And uh, we've been saying that it's, it's critical to understand that, that Christmas, the Christian faith, is really all about reconciliation. Look at this uh, Christmas carol one more time. Uh, we talked about it last week, and it goes, Hark the herald angels sing. Why don't you say it with me? Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. So just stop for a moment. So we understand right off the hop that this is what our faith is all about. It's a reconciliation between God and humanity. Let's read on. It says, Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And so here's what we, we recognize is that, is that God wants us to be reconciled to him. God and sinners reconciled. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is sinners and sinners being reconciled. And I know that for some of us this morning, that is really a tough subject because the fact is that there's people in our lives that we haven't talked to uh, maybe for days, months, maybe even years. And the thought of being reconciled to that person or those people is frankly just more than what you could really embrace or, or tackle. You just feel like, nah, I don't think I can do that. But you and I need to understand that if you and I are going to follow Christ, if you and I are going to call ourselves Christians, then what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to learn what it means to get things right. Now, don't anybody panic here because I know some of you are thinking, oh, no, I'll never be able to do this. It's impossible. I'm going to tell you in just a few moments what you need to do. But before I do that, uh, you know, this time of the year is, is a stressful time. It's a time when, when husbands and wives tend to fight more than usual. It's a time when parents become uh, anxious and aggravated with their kids, perhaps. It's a time when, when we, uh, you know, we think, oh, man, i got to see Uncle Herb and Aunt Sally. I don't know if I can cope with this. Here we go again. It's the same thing every year. 
He says something that ticks somebody off and so on and so forth. Um, you and I need to understand that our relationships are the most important thing in our lives. And we say that at Cross Church all the time. Life is about that's right. Life is about relationships. And here's the thing. You know that you have lived a successful life if your relationship with God and your relationship with one another is good. Um, some children were asked some questions about relationships, particularly about marriage. So I just want to share a few of these with you. I haven't shared uh, anything like this for quite some time. But um, little Alan, age 10, uh, was asked, uh, how do you decide whom to marry? And here's what he says. He says, you, you got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like, if you like sports, she should like, like it that you like sports. Uh, right? All the guys said amen to that. And uh, she should keep the chips and dip coming. That's little Ellen, age 10. Kristen, age 10, said this, no person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Camille, age 10, is asked, what is the right age to get married? And she says, well, 23 is the best age because you know the person forever by then. Uh, let me read just a few more here. Um, Oh, what do you think your mom and dad have in common? Lori, age eight, says, both don't want any more kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. And uh, there's another, let me, just read, let me just read a couple more. Is that okay with you if I read a couple more of these? They're so funny. Um, questions asked, when is it okay to kiss someone? And Pam, age, says, when they're rich. <laughs> and that's what I tell my daughter all the time. Uh, <laughs> When is it okay to kiss someone? Kurt, age seven, says, the law says you have to be 18, so I, won't, I wouldn't want to mess with that. So that's what I tell my kids, too. Uh, Howard, age eight, says this. The rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It's the right thing to do. And again, we tell our kids that as well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, here's another one. This is, this is a good one. And the question is, how would you make a marriage work? How would you make a marriage work? And Ricky, age 10, says, well, tell your wife that she looks pretty, even if she looks like a dump truck. <laughs> so there you go. That's how you stay reconciled. <laughs> okay, I got to compose myself here. <laughs> So last week, we talked about being reconciled to God. And the question is this, how do we know if we're right with God? And we said that we know that we're in a good place uh, with God and with others if we're living at peace with them. Remember that? Peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. And we said, we, I reminded you of that passage of Scripture uh, in 1 John. Let's take a look at that Scripture verse. And it says, whoever claims to love God, 1 John 4.20, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And so we're, we're reminded then in Scripture that, that the proof that we've, we're on good terms, on a good footing with God, is that we are living at peace with them. Now, that doesn't mean that we always agree with everybody. How many know that? 
And what, what I'm telling you this morning, I'm not suggesting that you've got to be best friends with every human being on the earth. But what, you, what I am saying to you this morning is that we've got to do whatever it takes to make sure that we're not angry or bitter or resentful. We've got to make sure that there is actual peace in our hearts. And so in case you don't remember what the word reconcile means, let's put the definition up. Reconciliation, is it up there? No? Is anybody? Is there, there we go. Reconciliation uh, is the restoration of friendly relations. That's what reconciliation is. So when, when the angels came singing to the shepherds, uh, peace on earth and goodwill to all men, uh, when the hymn writer wrote, uh, God and sinner reconciled, what, what he's saying is that friendly relations have been restored. God and, and mankind are friends again. And how does that happen? Well, we talked about that last week, didn't we? We said that we, we are on friendly relations with God because of Jesus Christ, because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So Heidi and Summer and Reese, they've all put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they, they believe that God sent Jesus to this earth to, to die on the cross for their sins and to take those sins away so that they could live forever. And we call that a restoration of friendly relations. So Summer and Heidi and Reese are on good terms with God. So here's what you and I need to understand. The Christian message, the Christian story, the Christian narrative, the Christian life, Christmas is really all about reconciliation. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about how you and I can be on good, uh, friendly relations with all the people in our lives and I know for some of you, you're thinking, man, oh, I don't think I could ever be on good, good relations with my father, with my mother, my brother, my sister, whatever. You're here this morning, and you've, you've, got, a, you've got a history, and, and quite frankly, it's, it's, uh, what I'm saying to you right now is really hard to swallow. Well, just, just calm down and hear what I've got to say. Let's talk first about the uh, problem that all of us have. How do relationships break in the first place? Well, last week we talked about the sin nature that we all inherit. Remember, we said that Jesse, Jesse was born with the sin nature. He's the only one in our family. No. <laughs> Actually, Jesse, Nicholas, Sarah, and not just Jesse, Nicholas, and Sarah, but also mom and dad, Alan and Gloria. We were all born with the sin nature. And we said that we inherited that from our great-grandparents. And remember, we said we could go back 146 greats to get to Adam and Eve, and frankly, it just passed down through the generation. So we're all born with this sin nature. So here's the thing. Along with this sin nature comes this ability to be easily hurt or easily offended. How many know what I'm talking about? Just nod at me. Don't, don't put your hand up. Summer, it's okay. Don't put your hand up. Just nod at me or wink if you know what I'm talking about. Easily hurt, easily offended. I know some people say, I've got a thick skin. I'm not easily offended. Yeah, okay, so every single person I've ever heard say that, they're easily offended. And, uh, and it goes something like this. He, he said something to me, or she said something to me, and it really hurt my feelings. It really made me angry. Um, she looked at me a certain way, or he ignored me. I was walking by, and he just ignored me. Or I sent her a text, and she didn't respond. He didn't call me back. She didn't call me. What did he mean by that? And it goes on and on. And so next thing you know, we've allowed our hearts to be angry, to be a little bit resentful, to be a little bit hurt, a little bit offended. And the next thing you know 
is we're not, I'm not talking to him anymore. She knows what she did to me and I'm not talking to her until she says she's sorry. Meanwhile, she has no idea what the problem, she has no idea what she said, she has no idea what she did, she has no idea of how she came across and now you've got a broken relationship. I'm gonna tell you this, after 30 years in the ministry of doing counseling, marriage counseling, family counseling, counseling for friends, and so on and so forth, here's what I found so often and almost all the time, relationships fall apart, relationships break because of something very minor, something very small, something that could have been avoided if they'd only talked. When I was a, a young man at Calvary Temple, that was a church I grew up in, Pastor Barber was the pastor at that time, and I've been faithfully serving in Sunday school. I was a Sunday school teacher. I've been a camp counselor. Um, I was involved in the church, doing lots in the church, and I knew I know that Pastor Barber knew who I was. We were walking. He was walking down the hall, and I was walking down the hall. We were walking towards each other, and I thought, oh, there's Pastor Barber. I'll get a chance to say hi and see how he's doing, and maybe he'll ask how I'm doing. But you know what he did? You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe what Pastor Barber did to me. A camp counselor, a Sunday school teacher, I tithed to the church. I was a valuable member of that church. You know what he did to me? You're not going to believe it. He walked right by, and he didn't even say hi. He didn't even nod. I, I, man, I thought, oh. Is he mad at me? Did I, did I say something? Uh, did somebody say something about me? Doesn't he like me? Or maybe when he was praying, God told him something about me. <laughs> hmm. Turns out, he was just a pastor with lots on his mind and lots to do. Turns out he wasn't mad at me at all. In fact, he didn't even know I was there. It's not because I wasn't good looking. It wasn't because I was not important. It's because he's a busy pastor with lots and lots and lots on his plate. Now, I want to tell you something. As a pastor, now that I'm in Pastor Barber's shoes with, like, with a far fewer people than he had to be concerned with, I find myself, if I'm if I'm concentrating on something, if I'm, if I'm going somewhere, if I got something to do, I find myself not being aware of the people around me. And then I get people phoning and they're angry at me. Pastor, what did I do to you? How could you treat me like that? Why didn't you say, say hello to me? Why didn't you this? It's like, oh, what? I'm sorry, I didn't know. I'm, and, and what do I do? I should have said, well, don't be so oversensitive and what's the matter with you? And why don't you just suck it up and stop being such a crybaby? That's what I do all the time. That's what I tell people, right? No, of course I don't. Why don't you phone me? Why don't you come and visit me? Why don't you check in on me? And you know what's interesting is I could turn that around and I could say, why don't you ever phone me? Why don't you ever check up on me? Why don't you see how I'm doing? Because you'll find out that I'm a human being just like you are and that I've got problems just like you've got problems, and I get sick just like you get sick, and I need a phone call just like you need a phone call, and sometimes I'm, I'm struggling the way you're struggling. But we don't think like that. We always think in terms of ourselves and what we're going through, and man, I don't know why he's so offensive. I don't know why he would say that to me. I don't know why he doesn't care about me. I don't know why he doesn't reach out to me. And my question is, why don't you reach out to me? 
But you see, our problem, folks, is that we always think in terms of ourselves. We never think in terms of the other person. And quite frankly, I'm going to tell you this. If I, if I would try to connect with every single person in this church on a regular basis, I could not get through everybody in the course of a year. Do you know that? You would get one phone call from me in the course of a whole year because, I mean, even then, I might not do it. I might not get, you might not get even one call in the course of the year because that is the load that's on me. But I tell you, I sure love it when people drop me a line or send me an email or a text. Say, Pastor, I love you, care about you, I'm praying for you. Oh, man, that just, it's like fuel in my tank. But here's the problem. You and I, by nature, are self-centered, and so we're easily offended, we're easily hurt, and we always think in terms of ourselves. So watch this. So based on just a look or a sentence or something that's said, we construct a scenario in our minds, choosing to believe the worst. We all think we're like Sherlock Holmes, right? We've got one little scrap of evidence and we can build a whole, construct a whole scenario around that little scrap of evidence. The fact of the matter is, is so often we're wrong. I gotta tell you, I'm sure glad for my wife, Gloria. And I know my wife, Gloria, is glad for me. And I'll tell you why. Because we can be honest with each other. And if Gloria's constructed something in her mind some scenario, you know, I'm easily offended, easily hurt, and she said this, and I don't know, we're not friends. I'll just say, hey, calm down. I'll just talk her down from the ledge. You know what I'm talking about? And she'll do the same for me. Say, Alan, it's not as bad as you think. Alan, you're, it's, it's a, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. How many have heard that? How many, has anybody, anybody do that? Along, I'm the only one that makes a mountain out of a molehill. Anybody else like that? Just, just nod at me if you agree. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. That's what we do. Make mountains out of molehill. Have you ever noticed that the most popular movies, especially for a younger generation, are about superheroes and martial artists? Have you noticed that? There's a reason why that resonates with people. Because in these movies, these, these, the martial artist or the, the superhero, he teaches the bad guy a lesson, right? And I'm going to tell you this. It's the bad guys that make these movies. I know what I'm talking about. You didn't have that. The better the bad guy, the worse he is, the better the movie. Why? Because the whole plot, and every single one of these movies all has the same plot. There's a bad guy that is, is brilliant at what he does, and all we have to do is get that good guy, the superhero, the martial artist, to subdue the bad guy and teach that bad guy a lesson. And, the, and, the, and the, the more that that superhero teaches the bad guy a lesson, the better, right? Like if we can really make him suffer, then we're really happy about that. It's like, that was a good movie. That bad guy, they, oh, he hung a licking on him. Oh, man, that was good. Yeah, I remember Kung Fu. I remember Kung Fu. That kind of dates me a bit. David Carradine. It's basically about a, a monk from China who's trained in the arts of Kung Fu and, and, and dealing with bad guys. And his job is to remain humble and, and to turn the other cheek. Kind of, kind of Christian overtones. And somehow this monk finds himself in the Wild West. And, and it's the same plot every single time. Humble man is abused, taken advantage of, or some woman or child or a weak individual is abused, taken advantage of. And then finally, when David Carradine can't stand it and can't take no more, he beats the living daylights out of them, teaching that bad guy a lesson. I love that show. <laughs> I'm a pastor and I'm admitting that to you. 
as a child, man, I, I feel my adrenaline pumping in me. I just, I got to stand up and can't just watch this. My brother Joff's here. He knows what I'm talking about. That kung fu, oh, teach that guy a bad lesson. It feels so good. Why is that? Because we want revenge. Because we want to teach people a lesson. Because we don't want to let, let anybody off the hook. And everybody's going to suffer. Everybody's going to pay. Everybody's going to pay the price for their wrongdoing. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now. Christianity is not about revenge. How many know that? It's not about teaching anybody a lesson. What it's about is forgiveness, about letting it go. And I'm not going to break out into the song right now, so I'm going to save you that. Let it go. It's about saying, you know what? I'm going to let this go. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to be angry. Now, you could say, well, that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Can I just remind you of something? It's not about that other person. It's about you. Because when you hold unforgiveness and anger and bitterness in your heart, someone said it's like, it goes like this. It's like, if I'm going to be bitter and angry and if I'm going to be devoted to teaching you a lesson, it's like you taking poison and hoping the other person's going to die. So you need to do this for your own sake. You need to say, I'm going to let it go. Just this past week, while addressing his student body, Jerry Falwell Jr., who's the president of Liberty University, a Christian university, no less, in Lynchburg, Virginia, he encouraged, this is going to blow your mind, he encouraged the students to obtain concealed carry permits so they could carry guns while on campus. And I'll tell you why. It's because of what happened in San Bernardino, is that right? Yeah, in California, 14 people died. And so the university president, Christian University, stands up and says, get a gun. And then he even said he had the gun with him in his back pocket. And this provoked just uh, uproars of approval from, from the student body. Now, I just want you to stop and think about that for a minute. Could you see Jesus coming to church on Sunday? Jesus showed up here one Sunday and said, hey, Alan dropped in, just wanted to address the crowd. And he stood up here and said, Hey, everybody, good to see you today. Uh, you know how these Muslims are getting out of hand, right? Well, I encourage all of you to go get a gun. Could you see Jesus doing that? It ain't going to happen. Why? Because you and I understand that the Christian message is about love. The Christian message is about love your enemies. It's about pray for your enemies. It's about turn the other cheek. And again, i got to remind you why. It's not because they deserve it necessarily. Not because that person who's offended you deserves any kindness from you. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. It's because when you forgive, your own heart is set at peace. Look at, look at this in Matthew 5, 23 to 24. It says, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar... That is, if you're worshiping God and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Jesus is saying this. Look, if you're going to worship me, if you're going to worship God, you got to go be reconciled first. You got to get things sorted out. You got to go to that person and say, you know what? This is how I feel and I'm sorry. Love always says, 
I'm going to work it out. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to let it go. Now, some people say, well, I, Pastor, I only love the people who are nice to me and who don't tick me off. I suge- I'm suggesting that there's not a lot of people in your life if that's the case. Because virtually everybody is going to tick you off at some point or another. The Christian message says you can't choose to love whoever you want. You can't call yourself a follower of Christ and be unreconciled. That's what Jesus is saying here. I'm going to tell you this, that getting things right with a person always involves some action on your, behalf, on your part. And it's not enough to say, well, I forgive him. Some people have that notion, you know, I forgive him. I've already forgiven him. I've let it go. It's not a problem anymore. Meanwhile, that you don't talk to each other. Someone else will say, you know, well, they'll find out in heaven everything was cool. There's no problem. Jesus, there's no, there's no provisos here. There's, there's no footnotes in my Bible that says, just, just forgive them in your head and let it go. And they'll find out in heaven whether you forgive them or not. It doesn't say that. Jesus says, you got to leave, you got to stop your worshiping and go be reconciled and get it sorted out. You can't just say, well, I prayed about it, I've given it to God, and everything's good now. No, Jesus says, you got to talk. Tell the person beside you, you got to talk. Go ahead, tell them that. Yes, and some of you came to church this morning, you weren't talking to each other, and that really ticked you off, right? Now that you're mad at your husband, and he just told you, you got to talk, and that really made you mad, right? you got to talk. Because the fact of the, folk, uh, of the matter is, folks, you are not Sherlock Holmes. You're not always right. As brilliant as you think you are, you're not that brilliant. Jesus tells us clearly, you and I need to talk it out. We need to meet with that person, and we need to figure out what's going on. I'm going to tell you, can I just be honest with you this morning? This is something I struggle with along with you, and I suspect I'll be struggling with this for the rest of my life just the way you struggle with it. There's people that are going to make you angry. People are going to hurt your feelings. But I'm going to tell you this. It is the human struggle. Oh, you're going to have all kinds of struggles in your life, but here's going to be, this is the the one that is critical. After your relationship with God, this this is the one that's critical. It's your relationship with one another. And you and I need to do whatever it takes to get things right. You know, I was, I was in a real dilemma preparing this series on reconciliation because there's actually somebody in my life right now that I'm trying to talk to, I'm trying to get reconciled to. There's somebody I'm trying to make things right with. I've reached out three times at least, and um, I'm going to reach out again. I'm just being honest with you just, let you, just to let you know I'm in the same boat as you. I'm struggling the same way you do. But I'm, I'm going to reach out again. And who knows, maybe by next week I can report to you all as well. But I'm going to ask you the question, is there somebody that you need to talk to? Is there somebody that you've got a broken relationship with, somebody that you need to connect with? Can I just say this to you today? This could be a very different Christmas if you choose this Christmas to talk rather than hold a grudge. If you choose to be reconciled rather than go on holding that anger, that bitterness, that resentment in your heart. If you can, you need to do it today. If you can't do it today, then you need to do it as soon as possible, hopefully before Christmas. Now, when you do talk, can I just remind you of something? When you, when you pick up the phone and say, hi, Dad, hi, Mom, hi, 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 brother, hi, sister, whatever, 
When you don't begin by saying, you really hurt my feelings and you really offended me and you're a bad person, don't do that. Because they're going to tune you right out, right on the spot. They're going to probably hang up on you. So you're not, the first thing is don't condemn them, okay? Don't try to prove that he's right and that you're, or, or that he's wrong and you're right. Don't, don't do that. Remember, the object is reconciliation. And I'm going to tell you this. If the most important thing in your life is to be right, then you will never be reconciled to anybody because nobody's right all the time. But if the most important thing in your life is, rec- is, is, is relationship, then I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to let it go. You have to stop trying to prove you're right and they're wrong. The object is not to determine who's wrong and who's right. I'm going to tell you this, folks. You will only ever have superficial relationships with people if you have to be right all the time. You'll never be close to anybody, ever. Now, I want to close with this verse. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. Here's what Jesus says. And this is why you need to be reconciled to people. This is why you need to talk to that person. Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I really don't need to say too much more than that, but I think you get the gist. Just God can't forgive you if you don't forgive. That's, those, that's right from Jesus. That's not my interpretation or my ideas. That's what Jesus says. So how do you know if you've forgiven that person who's hurt you? Well, here's, here's how I know whether you've forgiven. And I'm going to close after this. I know that you've forgiven that person who's hurt you, who's offended you. If you've talked to them, you've forgiven them, and then you never, ever, ever speak of that thing again. You never speak of the hurt or the offense ever again. I know when a person has truly forgiven because they never, ever, ever speak of the offense ever again. But the one who brings up the hurt or the offense is the one who is not forgiven. This is how you know you're reconciled. You've let it go. And you've never talked of it again. Let's pray. Will you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, God, for this wonderful service of worship, this wonderful service of baptisms, the, the, the sketch, and your word that reminds us to be reconciled. Lord, I know right now your Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts, and some people, are, they feel their stomach is turning, <laughs> their stomach is doing flip-flops, they're anxious. That's just the Holy Spirit saying, go and get this thing sorted out. God, we pray right now that you give us the grace to do what your word tells us to do. If there's unforgiveness in our hearts, we want to let it go. We don't want to prove that we're right or that they're wrong. We just want to let it go and say, my relationship with you is more important than being right all the time. And God, I pray that you give us the grace never to talk of these things again.
So we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, go be reconciled.